everyone, and welcome to The Geek Rant, episode 352, Meh. recorded March 10th, 2019, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Drive Time Radio for Geeks. I am your host, Mark, occasionally, on very rare moments, known as the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockroll, and joining me this week, as always, are your two stalwart co-hosts, Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson, and Miles, the Ossigeneer Wakeham. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Mark, and welcome back to the Faithful Opiates. Yay, team. Yeah, time zones. I hate them. <laughs> so, yeah, the rest of the world, the rest of the country, moved our clocks forward an hour. Miles just has to do everything an hour earlier than he used to. Yeah, so. no one gave me any notice. <laughs> <laughs> Other than, Sorry. you know, like Ben Franklin, you know. Yeah, well. uh, I saw a funny flowchart. It was uh, different items and how to change the time. It was like phones, don't worry about it. They update by magic. Um, uh, ovens, you need a mechanical engineering degree or a hammer. Uh, uh, car stereos, don't worry about it. Not worth the effort. Wait six months. Um, uh, do we all, I mean, in this modern world, how many of us still do the dance of walking around changing things in that? I changed probably seven things, oven, microwave, uh, wall clocks last night and in spite of the fact that we live in this so-called connected world i changed one so my dad can see it but other than that i don't really care so i haven't changed i didn't i didn't change a thing of course not <laughs> you were just late for the podcast that's yeah. all yeah. yeah really <laughs> uh funny so uh i just wanted to start off you know i knew when we did the show last week about our favorite movies. I knew we were going to get some negative uh, feedback. No matter what you do. The, the thing that you say is bad, somebody's going to like it. The thing that you say is good, somebody's going to not like it. There's just no way to to make anybody, everybody happy about this. But I got called on the carpet by a fellow podcaster, the door-to-door geek, Steve McLaughlin. And I got to say he was right. And I'm, I'm just going to say it right here. It is unconscionable that we did a show about best movies and Fifth Element wasn't on the list. We failed you, Door, and I apologize. You're absolutely right. That was wrong of us. Yeah, I don't know that I've seen it in the last 12 months, though. So, yeah, I have. I, it's one I watch regularly. Uh, it's one of my favorites. I think it is one of the stellar examples of the non-traditional sci-fi film. There's nothing about it I don't like, and yet it didn't show up on the list. So, there you go. Yeah, it was at least better than Jupiter Ascending for original sci-fi. Oh, yeah. Oh, what isn't better than Jupiter Ascending? <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched um, oh uh, Honest Trailers for Jupiter Ascending last night. Oh, my gosh. It, it's one of those that kind of redeems the movie. Yeah. Um, so if, if they did Cinema Sins for Jupiter Ascending, it would be as long as the movie. It would be it two hours longer. of cinnamon sins, and it would probably it would you know like a friend of mine wrote a review for Superman Returns um, that really after having read his review I was glad I saw the movie, but up until that point it was one of the single worst movie experiences of my life because you know they they took this awesome icon uh, and they basically remade the movie frame for frame and except made it worse. And, uh, and it was just a bad movie all the way around. Everybody, everybody agrees that. But he wrote a review, and his review was so awesome that it went back in time, and it made the it made me watching the movie. It made that experience great because I laughed for like thirty minutes reading his review. So you know, so it was like same way the um, honest trailers kind of did that for Jupiter Ascending. Not quite to the same degree, but it was pretty good. Yeah, the, the, as I'm watching Jupiter Ascending, the only thing I can think, the only positive I can come up with is they sure are pretty people. I mean, that's it. <laughs> that's all I got. Right. So I saw a preview. I don't. I generally stay away from previews because the only thing they can do is ruin a movie. They can't. They can't make the experience better. That's been my experience for movie previews. Um, the, if I want to see a movie, I'm going to see it. I'm going to be interested in the concept or or the actor or the director or whatever. Previews just generally don't impressed me at all but i saw a preview this uh week and the reason i watched it because I, I just thought the 
concept was interesting. It's an upcoming film coming in, I believe, May, uh, by James Gunn, uh, the guy who wrote The Guardians of the Galaxy, um, and it's called Brightburn, and it's the Superman origin story, but what if Superman was evil? So it's the, it's the exact same thing. So this kid comes down, crash lands, adopted by a Midwestern family, but then he terrorizes that family. Um, and he's picked on as a kid, and he internalizes that and decides he's going to get um, get even with the world. So basically, it's it's the Batman scenario. The reason Batman fears Superman could actually happen. So he's turned it into a jump scare movie. It's a horror movie. It's like superhero horror. Uh, I think it may be a new genre, and I generally don't like horror it's just not my thing uh but when the jump scare is a kid moving faster than the speed of light that adds a whole new element to it so brightburn check it out uh check out the previews um it may i may may be the first horror movie that i've watched in 20 years Hmm. because i'm interested in the concept i would hmm i think it could be good one thing i don't like how let's deconstruct all the heroes of the past and just you know because we can't have good guys every all the good guys have to be bad and the bad guys have to be good and you know let's call that you know avant-garde or you know extra crap if you want the french translation uh can't you know sometimes the, the good guys are supposed to be good and the bad guys are supposed to be bad and then you want to see what that looks like on screen so yeah this I think some of the best screenplay stuff is when you you the audience have to make the decision whether this guy's good or bad because they have both mannerisms right yeah the the sort of uh it's not white hat not black hat the, the gray hats um hmm. the anti-heroes yeah it's um, like breaking hmm. bad right maybe it was the was was Walter White good or was he bad or was he a bad good guy? I mean, I don't know. If you are watching the stream, I have to apologize because Google just logged me out of everything. Uh, oh, because so, it had been a week since you entered your password? I don't know. <laughs> Get, Google. Um. It just, I mean, everything went out all at once, so I have no show notes. I'm not, I mean, I'm still streaming, but there's no hangout to stream, so give me just a minute to get that back, <laughs> and uh, and we'll get the stream back. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. So did, you, did you get any feedback on any of the other movies? No, that was it. That's all I've heard, and I expect to hear more as time goes on, but... Uh, just uh, it <laughs> just made me laugh. Uh, I, I of course I'm I'm teasing, but Dor was like spitting mad that we didn't include his favorite movie, and I gotta say I agree. It's an excellent movie. So <laughs> anyway, uh, on on a different subject of movies, let's talk about movies. I took the the kids to see How to Train Your Dragon. Um, this the third installment of that movie. Now I, I have to preface this by saying I've really enjoyed. Um. Oh, and then we lost Seth. Wow. Um, I have really enjoyed both of the previous movies. I thought the first one was really good. I think the second one was um, maybe not as good a movie, but certainly uh, a moving experience, that sort of thing. But anyway, the third one is outstanding. Just absolutely outstanding. It's, uh, it wraps up the story very nicely. It is the it was is in no no doubt the last of the series um and and i really enjoyed it uh great animation i i I felt a little disappointed in the action sequences which is kind of weird to say but um they one of the things that i liked about dreamworks overall is is generally their action sequences tend to be very clear you can always tell who's doing what you know, and, and it's in the in the animation world, digital. Of course, all action sequences today are, are animated. You know, regardless of the movie, if it's in an action sequence, it's animated, uh, and it's on a computer. Um, and one of those, I don't know if it's money saving. I suspect that's what it is. Uh, but you you have the blurred shots and the fast action shots, and you both and and you make it so that uh, you don't actually have to see things. And so action sequences get really confusing. They're fast moving. You know. Picture any Michael Bay movie ever, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And and this one fell victim to that. So there were some really fast-paced action scenes where, you know, and maybe it's just because I'm getting older, but I'm watching and thinking, I'm not really sure who just did what. 
uh, and <laughs> and that just wasn't the case in the previous ones. So anyway, How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, if you're into that sort of thing, it is absolutely amazing. Uh, if you didn't like the others, you probably won't like this one. So it's it's more of the same, but more more of the same. So there you go. Cool. I like the others, so I will have to attempt to watch this one at some point. Um. All right, and and just by the way, the I, I loved reading the title of this one because it's such a high energy intro, and then just in the middle of it, meh. But th- that just indicates that all three of us tonight kind of don't have anything to say, which means this will probably be a two and a half hour show. So <laughs> just just let you know, there's no particular topic. There's no underlying theme. We're just kind of turn the mics on and see what happens. Uh, and so freewheeling geek rants. There you go. It's it's almost like the every show we ever done in the past, almost. Um, <laughs> uh, and so Seth, you, I've never seen this movie that you're about to reference. So tell me, I've I've not heard anything good about it though. <laughs> so tell me about yeah. Dogma. Okay, so a uh, guy I uh, work with, he's very big into the, uh, you know, Comic-Con scene and stuff like that. So he was, he gave me the, like, box set. And so I was like, you know, because I heard a lot of bad things. And, and there were certain stages of my Christian development. Uh, you know, one one of the phases I've talked about in the past is the Pope is the Antichrist phase of Christian maturity or immaturity, as the case may be. And had I been in that stage, this would have been a very bad movie to watch. But one... I mean, this movie came out several years ago, so it's a little dated, uh, and you can definitely tell watching it that it w- it came out years ago. But I was impressed by several things. Uh, number one, Alan Grantman, he's just a great actor. It's a joy to see him in any movie. Uh, he's good. Uh, and number two, just the amount of star power that is in this film blows you away. And then you could tell that, you know, w- with the subject they were covering, this had a chance to be a really movie that, you know, polarizes people and, you know, making fun of religion. Uh, but instead it came across to me as people having fun with a story and making fun of dogma, hence the name dogma, but drawing a line in the movie, the difference between dogma and belief or faith. And so, you know, they, they were poking fun at the things that literally that you should be able to poke fun at, but without, you know, making fun of everybody who is an adherent to a particular faith. And so it was not it's not the greatest movie ever made by any stretch i don't i I don't think uh but it was a very enjoyable movie to watch i mean you had a young matt damon and ben affleck um george carlin was in it and just you know people on screen you're like oh i know that person selma hayek was in it so of course you know she's attractive to watch doing anything but there's just like oh i know that person i know that person i know that person and it was just like all of these people who gain notoriety later on were in this film and then the story was kind of cool and and it made sense in the logic uh of the universe they set up and it was just it was a pretty good movie so you know you know don't you know watch this kind of in the family room uh you know maybe doing some other stuff but i would put it on a higher level than watching the background but i would say watch it because it's a lot of fun i mean hey it has language so if you know if you have small kids around maybe not watch it with them but a, a an enjoyable movie uh a good movie not a great movie but a good movie and you know one that i think is very much worth watching at least once so I don't know that this will be a repeat. Oh, I got to see that movie all the time. But I, it was an enjoyable watch for me. Chuckled along with it. Laughed at some places. Uh, figured some things out. Uh, you know, because it, it's kind of simplistic in that sense. But overall, a an enjoyable movie. I was in. I was at. You know, had um. This could have easily have shown up on the list last week because I wasn't expecting much, and it was better than what I was expecting. So, um, Dogma, I think it's an enjoyable movie. And like I say, there there's certain stages if you are a Christian, and there are certain stages of Christian development where th- you couldn't watch this movie. Um, but you know, then there's there's other stages where you can watch it. I think and enjoy it for what it's trying to be instead of placing your views on it to start it with and not enjoy it. All right. 
that was some qualifications and some some quid qu- addendas, but overall, I think we liked it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good, not great. All right. Uh, and Miles, in true geek fashion, is spending the next month trying to decide what phone he wants to buy. So he's going to tell us about that. Yeah, I, I hit Mark up for some Android info after the show last week, and I'm still not committed to a phone. I, we've we've said this before. With all of us seem to share a common value here, and that is we don't like buying a phone every year or two. We, we want we want to get four or five years out of a phone, right? Um, at least, yeah. And so when I don't know when it was about, well, about twenty fifteen or so, phones started to go north of a thousand bucks each. It started to get really stupid at that point. And you would think if Moore's Law was a thing that prices would go down, not up. And But it, I don't know. Apple decided they wanted to create their own reality and turned $1,000 prices and went north of that. Um, well, I'm not an Apple phone person. I'm an Android phone person. I have an HTC 10 and it's four years old. So here I am thinking I can get another year out of this thing. I mean, it's got some warts. It's not perfect. It doesn't do very good photos in low light and it's got some issues, but it does the job. I work at home. I don't go out on the road that much. I don't need it with me all the time. But when I do go out, I need it. And I'm about to come into travel season again. So I thought, well, you know, let's see if I can get through this year. Maybe next year I'll look a new phone. Well, no, Google says, "Uh uh-uh. I'm going to make your phone crippled and zombie-like because we've, we just like writing new things that break things. So I became victim of that. So anyway, it accelerated the process of me looking for a new phone. So what do you do? Well, you go through a list of all of the things that you want out of your phone because whatever it is, I'm going to buy it. It's going to last me four years. So it's got to have an earphone jack, because I'm one of them old school, just give me a normal set of headphones, please. And I need good battery life. And I need a decent camera. And I need, I don't know, maybe thumb security thing or whatever. Anyway, I put my list together. And uh, a buddy of mine was over at Mobile World Congress um, in Barcelona a couple of weeks ago. And I said to him, hey, listen, you're on the floor. Go and tell me what phone I should buy. So he comes back and he goes, well, that, that Chinese company, uh, Huawei, Huawei, whatever, you th- whatever it is. Huawei. Um, thank you. They got some pretty neat phones. I'm like, dude, I have to go in front of clients and be Mr. Security Guy. And if I walk in there with a Chinese phone, they'll kick me out of the room. And he's like, okay. well, that's fine. I know that's a broad statement, but that's reality. I agree. Anyway, yeah. So um, – so that wasn't going to work. Then he says, well, this LG's pretty cool, this new thing they got coming out, the G8 thin whatever. Apparently, you wave your hands over it and magic happens. It's like, you know, how to look like a total idiot is to be there with a phone you're waving your hands over, right? I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, really. I mean, that's not going to work. So I, can't, I, I settled for the Samsung Galaxy S10. Um, and that was released two days ago. So this is sort of timely. And that phone checks all the boxes. You know, it actually looks like a decent phone. What's it, about 900 bucks? Yeah, 999 plus tax plus, I don't know, breakage plan plus this. It's like, come on. What on earth? It's a phone. <laughs> but, you know, where, where I live, I've got... I only really get decent coverage with Verizon, so that kind of narrows things down a little bit. Um, so I don't know. I'm, help me here. What what should I do? I, I I I don't think there's a world in which I buy a thousand dollar phone. Um, if I if I had infinite money to spend, I still don't think I could make myself buy a thousand dollar phone. I, I just I don't get it. Um, I. I it, what what's happening is Apple has sort of started the trend, but it's you're seeing this everywhere. I I went to you know so I went to the movies right. So uh, we like to go to this place called Movie Tavern, and it's a it's a sit down and eat mediocre food at exorbitant prices. Um, but you've got the lounge, the reclining lounge seats, whatever. So what you're paying for is not the movie, not the food, but the experience. 
And so for my family of five, I spent $200 to see that movie. And it's not about the movie, it's about the experience. And, and that's everything is sort of going that way. That's the premium model, the, the, the premium laptop, the premium phone. You know, the Galaxy S10 is trying to sell you on a premium experience. It's not about the hardware. It's not about the software. It's about the experience of the, you know, the, the finely crafted Corinthian leather handle grips or whatever. Um, and that just... I, I, I don't know. Maybe if I can spend $200 to see a movie, I can spend 1000 on a phone. But for me, there's a hard disconnect there. The experience is rebooting your phone twice a week because it's so old and crappy and you can't buy these garbage you're trying to sell now. That's the experience you're dealing with. $1,000, I mean, that's that's stupid. It's, yeah. you know, okay, show me something this this phone also is a miniature transporter and it can transport anything up to five ounces 10 miles okay i'll pay a thousand dollars for that but a thousand dollars to be a little bit thinner and a little more crappy and the battery lasts not quite as long as the old model i just got rid of that you bricked with a software update you're trying to hide from people that's not worth a thousand dollars what's something new that this phone does and not just it does this one thing a little little bit better and these 10 things a little bit worse and we're not going to fix those because we're already writing on two versions later that's stupid it's absolutely stupid and the only reason they get away with this is because people go oh shiny and then no, we waste our money it's yeah, not the shiny just, it's the oh it's only 200 dollars or 20 dollars a month for the next eight years yeah. it's that's what it is um yeah. people it, are it, stupid it, it, you're right and the crazy thing is i don't I don't think I have much of an alternative choice, which is even more frustrating. It's the only I've had to come to the point of saying, okay, maybe I have to get creative in trying to find a way to to justify buying this phone. Like if I buy it with a certain credit card that gives me five times points, that's 5,000 frequent flyer mile points, which is half of the ticket to, uh, I don't know, Texas or something. And then I can stay, okay, well, the price of that, I take it off what, a, what the phone is. I mean, that's a stupid justification, but it's something. Uh, or to say, okay, well, if I use this phone for four years, it's not $1,000, it's $250 a year. Or, I mean, that's... I don't know. That's another stupid justification. I mean, how do you? I, where's Moore's law when you need it? So it here's, should be half the price. Here's my approach on that: is I either buy a three hundred dollar phone and accept that I'm going to buy one every couple of years. So if I buy three three hundred dollar phones every two years, I've gotten six years out of that same thousand uh, dollars instead of four years. Um, or I buy last year's thousand dollar phone for four hundred dollars this year it's all the bells and whistles from a year ago and generally those are the two approaches i take yeah that's an interesting idea i mean i could go with like a i don't know galaxy s9 right and see you know but but i know that google's gonna brick it (laughs) so i'm buying i'm just delaying the problem for year three as opposed to year four right so my time is i mean look i'm not uh, the the sounds the wrong thing. My time is valuable. It's valuable because I'm not going to be on this planet for for forever. So I value my time. I don't mind spending money if it gives me time back. If I don't have to have two or three phones, I can do it with one. There's something to that. I get it. But no, this is just getting insane. Is this part of an inflation hiding trick that that's going on is this a government conspiracy i mean what is this maybe it's that we're actually paying what phones cost for the first time that may be what it is yeah maybe i don't know i it's you know this is just the it's our financial february thing people will people are paying it so they're charging that you know the price of you know the price will fall if people realize this phone is a tool and not a status symbol and i don't have to have it you know i it's just because we don't care we want the shiny bobble that we think we can afford the payment instead of realizing how much it costs that's what's killing us I, th- I think there is something to be said for, and this goes with our show title, uh, that phones themselves are becoming meh. 
they're not they're, they're not brand new breaking new technology anymore they're just you know a little bit better of last year's model a little bit shinier a little bit smaller a little bit better long lasting battery a little bit better camera maybe they've got some inbuilt gimbal thing or something maybe they've got more storage faster speed whatever it is but it's just last year's model upgraded it's not uh, breaking new uh, technological barriers and and moving evolution forward for the humanity it's just another phone and i think that most of the trade shows are sh- uh, they're starting to feel that because their mem- their uh, attendance is pulling back the uh, vendors are not as aggressive at sales as they used to be. And frankly, the number of new model phones that are coming out per year is down. Well, the same thing happened with computers. You know, it was there was a time when it was all about, you know, speeds and feeds and, and the, the the greatest megabits and, and, and you know, uh, the different types of RAM, DRAM versus SDRAM versus whatever. You know, and now it's just go pick the, the pretty one. Um, and, yeah. I, and I think that's where phones... Are, are, it's just taking them less time. It took PCs 20 years to get there. It's taken phones, you know, 10 years uh, to get to that point. And, uh, and that's where we are. Go pick the pretty one and, and you're fine. Anyone, anyone out there is more than you need. You, you know what's really funny? People don't take phone calls anymore. <laughs> the funny thing is, if you, especially if I, I talk to my daughter about this, she really, no, she, I wouldn't say she gets upset. But when she gets a phone call that hasn't been preceded by a text of, oh, I'm about to ring you, I'm about to call you, it's like then the phone just rings. It, it, she's, it's like this is an interruption to my world that I don't want to be dealing with right now. Whereas guys like us who grew up in, you know, all about phones and business and you wouldn't want to miss that call, you know, now all we're doing is getting tele spammed. Um, I don't know. Maybe the kids have got this right. I have long said that calling somebody is the most arrogant thing you can do because a telephone call says whatever you're doing right now is less important than I am. Yeah. I am the most important thing right now. Stop whatever you're doing and talk to me. Um, so I, I, I am with your daughter on that one. If you look at the things I do on my phone, if you take out work conference calls, other than that, I spend minutes a month on the phone, not hours, minutes, like a dozen minutes a month on the phone. I don't, I don't, f- phone calls are not for me. And I don't, I don't call people and I don't expect to be called because people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and, you know, phone. Yeah. All right. We're just going to get off phones and we're going to talk about whiny gamers now because, you know, more whining. More whining. Um, okay, this is an interesting story. We have uh, two data centers with servers in them. One's in Texas, one's in Phoenix. And periodically, I've got to move things from one to another. And these servers, for those that don't live in the world of data centers and servers, servers are what we would call hypervisors. They're pieces of hardware that run multiple virtual servers in order to leverage the investment of power and capital equipment and whatever. You put, you know, 10 servers on one box. Or if you've got a box, it has to be upgraded or you've got servers that have to be moved, it can be tricky because things connect to things, backups, you've got intrusion detection stuff, you've got firewalls, you've got all this stuff. It's complicated. But anyway the day comes along when you have to move something because it makes more sense to have it in a different location. I've just gone through and I'm going through a very large migration of servers at the moment from one to another that has taken me literally four weeks of time, uh, particularly on weekends because that's when people don't seem to use them as much, uh, to migrate this stuff. But, you know, it's planned out and I did it, and we did the biggest one last night at 11.30 p.m. last night. I switched the DNS over from one to another, and no downtime, maybe half an hour, and no one knew because at that time it wasn't there. I get up in the morning this morning, I look at the logs, and I see in real time 
literally tens of thousands of people every couple of minutes slamming this server, using it, and ev- and the world is a good thing. I haven't had any complaints. Everything went well. That doesn't happen all that often, by the way. <laughs> it does, but, you know, everybody out there who loves their Google Drive or their Yahoo Mail or their AOL this or their Microsoft Azure that, trust me, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes to keep the – keep the hamster running around in that wheel that gives you whatever you get for free. It's a lot of work, people. That said, true engineers can get through this thing. Interestingly, one of my clients who's on that server that got migrated happens to be a um, associated with a massively multiplayer online role-playing game called DDO or Dungeons and Dragons Online from a company out of Boston called Standing Stone Games. It's, it's a very, very good game. It's very popular. You know, probably 100,000 people we play it. Um, it just so happened that in parallel with our data center moves, which went fairly successful, they had data center moves going on with their big gaming platform. And I, I, I guess it was a contractual thing where one of their data centers said, you know, your contract's up, you've got to get out. And so they moved somewhere else. Well, it's a big job, and I know what it's like because it takes a lot of planning, and they obviously had to do it as well. Well, um, unfortunately, to A, B, compare it, they were down for four days. Now, this is a business that enti- their entire business relies on them being online, being up for this video game that people pay a monthly subscription to use or, or whatever. They were down for four days. That's huge. Now, imagine if Google was down for four days. Imagine Netflix was down for four days or Airbnb. I mean, <laughs> that would put these guys out of business. That, that's the, the, razor, the wafer-thin difference between being in business and not being in business in the digital 21st century is not being down for four days. Well, they got – they went back online on Saturday. And and during this time, as companies do, they're tweeting out on Twitter, look, we're sorry, we're down, we expect to be up in X number of hours. And of course, that didn't happen. And so they kept doing it day after day after day. And for the first couple of days, the gamers, I mean, let's say it's a game, right? It's not a big deal. The gamers are like, it's fine. We don't mind. Do what you have to do. I'm sure it's good. We've got your back. You're in good shape. Don't worry. Yeah, well, that lasted after about day two. I saw this amazing experiment in human sociology (laughs) where gamers went, why the heck are you not up again? And who's running this show? And you're a bunch of idiots. And I could have done this better. And I know how to do blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting in the background having gone through this very same experience going, shut up. You don't know (laughs) what is going on. You have no idea. And for you to be so ignorant and so stupid to voice an opinion about what these poor people are going through, because clearly something went awry, and it does. And look, I'm I'm not perfect because I'll have mistakes, but they had a mistake, right? And it's a game. Go out in the sunshine and, and ride a bike or something. I mean, just go and do something with your time other than just whining about this game that's been down for four days. And I, I don't know. I just lost it with some dude on Twitter about this because <laughs> I'm just sitting back listening to this tirade going, you have no – there's no skin in the game here. How do you it's – it's just troll-like mentality. These gamers have no social boundaries, none. And they will swat somebody if they think that they can, you know, that that it gets a lols out of some group. Or they'll, you know, they'll do anything in their power with absolutely no skin in the game because they feel like life is just one big respawn. And I guess that's kind of, I kind of walked away with this going, where the heck is society going? If we can't live in a world where people make mistakes and they're given a chance to rectify it, and it's no big deal, there's no loss, you'll be back in the game on Saturday. You didn't lose any. It's not like your money went away. You just (laughs) lost a couple of days. But we seem to be in an internet-based society that cannot stomach that. Hmm. And that worries me. Well, to be fair... 
socially adjusted, emotionally stable people don't spend hours playing video games, right? So you're dealing with a subset of the population that is already not predisposed to normal social interactions. Then you add the anonymity factor to it and the, the fact that there's absolutely no possibility of repercussion and you know, you get the worst out of the worst people. It is it is bad. I mean, it is really bad. If you see some of the 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 chat logs going on in some of these games, particularly these first person shooters, you know, like Call of Duty or Battlefield or any of those sort of games, and you read the stuff that these people are writing, it's insanely bad. I mean, it's it's racist stuff. It's 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 the worst of humanity demonstrated right there. It's like somebody allowed their evil dark side to emerge and just ex- just trolled out all of this stuff to for everybody else to read with no you're absolutely right. There's like no apparent downside to right. doing this sort of thing. It, it's not healthy. Yeah, I have a similar story uh, years ago. Broadband wasn't, you didn't have gigabit to your home back then. And I had uh, was running a server, running my own local DNS, and I needed to change that DNS. And, and anybody who knows, that can take 48 to 72 hours for that to propagate out. But I had two other DNS services, one in Seattle, one in Chicago, that uh, one was on level three and one was on Verizon. So I had, you know, pretty much I, I was bulletproof there. So I took down my DNS, let the two backups take over. Level three had a problem in Seattle and Verizon had a problem in Chicago on the same day. And so all DNS was lost and it took 72 hours, roughly. Uh, some people got it back a lot faster, but but before everybody could get to everything that I had done was about three and a half to four days. And and this was an education environment. This wasn't even gamers. Um, and yeah, I, I the hate rained down and the whole time I'm like, there is... Literally nothing I could do. I could not have imagined that a data center in Texas, in Chicago, and in Seattle could all have gone down at the same time. There's just no plan for that. And sorry, you're just going to have to wait. Um, yep, it happens sometimes. Yep. And I think the thing that the thing that scares me the most is when a real emergency happens. How ill prepared sociologically. Um, socially, people are. If we had a real devastating event, I mean, you know, you see on the news floods and fires and hurricanes and all those sort of things, and they're horrible. Don't get me wrong. I mean, not, there's no excuse for normal, you know, natural weather pattern events like that, but they're localized. They're in a smaller community, so it might be that. South Carolina got bombarded with a you know hurricane, but if you're living in Oregon, you didn't feel a thing. Or if you know California's got the fires, but you're living in in Maine, you don't you don't notice anything. It's always somebody else's problem until it's your own, but it's usually somebody else's problem. The thing is that one day we'll have a national emergency of some form. It might be uh, I don't know EMP, or it might be. Um, an economic crisis, or it might be a war. I mean, it could be anything. But when we when we get that level of crises, I have no faith in people's ability to handle themselves in a mature and problem solving manner, because it seems like what's happening is that the world of video games and this mythology of instant respawn has turned into our political culture and has turned into our social culture and it's turned into just people. There, there seems to be uh, a tolerance level, level of that behavior that I've never seen before because I don't think it should be tolerated. But I don't know, maybe call me old-fashioned. You know, some people have never been forced to cut their own switch in a chess. <laughs> Man, that brought... Ah... <laughs> <sighs> yep i've had to do that not fun not fun at all i think every single person who works in technology in it in some some point in their career was in tech support and there was an emergency or something went down and they couldn't get the backups up or some you know there was some catastrophe i'd say we we all at some point in our lives have been through this and, you know, it's almost like licensed to being a geek 
is you have to go through this kind of baptism of fire at some point. Um, I just wonder about how the client, how the users, the customers, uh, their level of reaction to that today seems to be very, very different than what it was maybe in the in the early nineties, for example. Well, we've substituted uh, human silicon interaction for human-human interaction and things that got sorted out on the playgrounds because kids were playing with each other and interacting with each other and learning how to behave in a society with adult supervision around. Now, you know, a generation is coming of age who, I mean, it's not that they never played together, but they didn't, you know, they're doing these games where there is an intermediary and they don't have to deal with other people. It's just themselves in their cocoon. And, you know, a lot of them are doing solo junk online or with other people where they don't have to connect. They don't have to act. They don't have to interact. And so you aren't responding to a person. You're responding to anonymous words on the screen. And so when it's just anonymous words on the screen, you bleep, 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 you know, but if you were talking to somebody face to face, you go, you're a person too. And you know, the empathy that you learned isn't learned anymore. And, you know, and for a while society was able to take it for granted that we knew it, but now there's a whole generation of kids, you know, you think about it. People who were born at the turn of the millennium, they grew up with access. And of course, not everybody, but larger and larger segments in the developed world have, you know, this little piece of silicon in their hands that they were given to so that, you know, the parents could have a moment of quiet, you know, and just so uh, here, deal with this phone. So you're not bothering me. And then, okay, I'll just deal with this phone. And they don't know how to interact. They weren't taught how to behave. They weren't, they didn't learn proper socialization and society is showing the strains of having a generation raised that way. These kids today. Is it just the kids? I mean, is, is it also just this hair-triggered society that we've created as a result of that, though? I, 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 I go back to I, – I, there's not – wow, I'm, I'm really well-spoken. Uh, <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with anything you said, Seth, but I think that I put the, um, the central crux in, the wrong, in a different place. It's not the different types of interaction. It's not the dehumanization. There is, there is definitely some of that. There is definitely a lower regard for human life overall as a society today. I don't know that technology is responsible for that. I think it's the removal of consequences. Even in human-to-human -human interactions, consequences are removed uh, because if you know, you know, things that used to be just handled by we're going to beat each other to death outside the school. That's now bullying and requires an intervention of three different people. And it, we've just we live in a society where we've removed consequences and therefore we we have a, an ins, entire generation of people who don't know how to deal with consequences because they were insulated from them. Uh, you know, the the only parallels to that in history are the royal families. And we see how screwed up they were. You know, but they were really the only people with no consequences. Uh, and so we're raising a generation of royals, essentially. That's so interesting. I, I like that. I, that actually makes a lot of sense. The lack of consequences has become the norm. Wow. That's sad. I mean, to me, if, if you've got, if you kind of live in a world where the buck stops on your desk and you take responsibility for your actions, you know, you don't do bad things to other people because A, you respect other people and B, you don't want it being done back to you. Um, you tend to find the world actually balances itself out pretty nicely and everyone gets along and it's a happy place. But this no responsibility, I don't care, I'll just slag you off and say whatever is on my mind with not even thinking about it, that starts becoming habit. And it starts permeating into politics and it permeates into education and it permeates into yeah. parenting. And that's why we have a student loan crisis because yeah. $100,000, $200,000 worth of student loans, you, you people got into that knowing that they'd be deferred or forgiven. So, you know, no consequences created this mess. Um, $1.6 trillion of mess, by the way. It's a horrible 
it could be the next bubble that becomes the Great Depression. Yeah, it. I I can't. The sad part is we can't disagree with that. It's I mean, and you're already seeing the effect of it on society because you know has that generation that typically would be growing into its purchasing power is coming face to face with its lifetime of debt because you know and and this is an overgeneralization you know you wasted a hundred thousand dollars to get a degree in philosophy rather than spending four years earning a trade and so now you know those five jobs available for philosophy majors there's twenty thousand students and the 20,000 jobs that are open, if you want to get up and work, there's five people working them. So, and you know, yes, it's over generalization, but you know, we bought the, we, we bought a lie that, oh, get a college degree and everything will be great. Well, it's great for the companies holding the debt. You know, it's great for a government that forces you into more indoctrination, but it's bad for society because you have this massive debt because, you know, when my brothers went to college, 10 years older than me, you could work in the summer and earn enough money over the summer to pay for your education and graduate with really no debt, you know, maybe a little bit, but you could wipe it out in a year. And if I would have been smart and just went straight through, but I mean, you know, it took, I was on the 10 year plan. So I graduated with $12,000 in debt because I did my last one year on debt and came out with $12,000 and that took me years to pay off. Um, but yeah, so this generation that is, you know, beginning to advance in the world finds itself advancing to zero. And by the time it hits zero, it's going to be time to retire and they're not going to have anything. So, you know, what is, what's the country going to do when it comes face to face with that? How, how are we going to react and how are we going to, you know, come out the other side of this. So I don't know. I, I had a point there and it was glorious. You should have heard it in my mind. Well, what we can be sure of is that we will come out the other side of it. It, it may not be in the way that we want, but um, humanity in this nation will continue just in, in a different form. Um, yeah. and, and of course, in a show where we had no topic, we didn't do either of the news uh, items that Seth had and we're going over time. So uh, I, I just let's jump straight to Seth. What happened this week in history? All right, Mark. Well, I wanted to let you know and remind all the opiates out there that on March the 8th, 1983, the IBM introduces the PCXT computer. Um, it stands for Extended Technology for a price of $4,995, roughly $12,500 in today's currency. It had an Intel 88 processor, a precursor to the 86. Go figure. That's that's a math for you. A 10 meg meg hard drive, eight expansion slots, a serial port, 128K, not mag, K of RAM, and 40K of ROM, a keyboard, and one double-sided 360K floppy drive. It did not come with a mouse. Mouses were for weirdos and who needed them on the awesome text uh, operating systems of the day. So anyway, that happened in 1983. Look at the specs, look at the price, and then... You know, look at how much we pay for computers that run circles around that today. Anyway, Mark, now back to you. It's sort of inconceivable looking back now to be excited about that. But at the time, that was groundbreaking. And, you know, Miles told a story before we got started. He, he and a partner built a company on two machines older than this. Um, yeah. and th it was, that was groundbreaking, life-changing technology that today we kind of snicker at. And, and this was before the clones started coming out. So you wanted this technology, you had to buy an IBM. I mean, I don't know when first machine that kind of broke that cycle, but you, you had to pony up to get this machine. So it was. It was those people who had a real reason to spend this sort of money. I mean, $12,600 equivalent in today's currency for that machine? What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's, um, for for the average person back then, that was uh, four months pay, uh, oh. less, uh, maybe three months pay. Um, you know, it was, <laughs> it was, a, it was a lot of money. 
Um, and you did it, and we were happy about it. And here we're complaining about $1,000 phones. <laughs> All right, this is uh, the part of the show where I tell you how you can feed back to us. Let us know what you think about movies, about phones, about these darn millennials that are ruining the world. Whatever happens to cross your uh, mind let us know at elementop.com click the contact us button at the top of the page answer the world's hardest captcha uh, and then fill out the form that uh, we'll send an email that uh, gets priority in my in basket we don't have a slow show closing spectacular this week because seth was meh about it so um <laughs> i have us- standards and they couldn't be met. That tells you the kind of links yeah. I came across this week. So they just weren't as good as midget throwing or rent a midget. Um. Hey, rent a midget was awesome. You know, they, they can't all be rent a midget and backyard circuses. So, uh, all right. So, what do you think? Let us know. Elementopi.com. Um, I'm not even going to go into the thing. You know how to to pay for it if you want to pay for it you know how to uh share it if you want to share it just do your thing meh and i just don't have the energy to go through it go go do the right thing you know what it is go do it we'll see you next week because that's it for this episode of the geek rant and remember pay for what you like